0: Well, we are rejoicing today. There are so many reasons to give thanks. And I love that song, um, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, because it tells us let's, let's bless God in every season of life. Don't waste a moment, right, keeping your praise to yourself. There is something to give thanks to God for. This um, part of the series that we've been doing called Don't Waste Your Summer. Can you all say it together? Don't waste your summer. Can you believe it's almost over? (laughs) And we had all those hours and minutes all summer long, and God has done great things in our midst. God has done good things. God has done memorable things, and right? Right? Yeah, and, uh, oh, you guys just had an anniversary, congratulations, right? I mean, there have been birthdays in the summer, there have been anniversaries in the summer, there have just been great days at the beach. Anybody go to the beach? I mean, Lake Michigan is a minute away from us. Gotta go. There are beautiful things that are happening, and there is power in the present moment, even in the simplicity of things. Um, sitting and watching the moon. Did anybody watch the moon this summer? Yeah, yeah did you just sit under the light of the moon? Did you? The Milky you... Way has been spectacular, right? I think Venus is really close to us, isn't it? It looks like, you know, just a bright star. You can see it. It's beautiful. There are so many gifts that God has given us this summer. And... We've also been waiting for things. Is anybody waiting for anything? What are you waiting for? So you might wanna... Yeah, alright. Uh-huh. Tell your kids to get busy. You are waiting for things. There are things we're all waiting for. This was the picture of Scott and I and the other grandparents in, uh, in the cafeteria waiting for this baby to come. And we thought, and we just kept looking at our watches, and we, you know, it was one of those kind of deals. And Scott and I spent the night at the house, and this was Ford's bed waiting for him. Go blue, right? We actually, you know what the dog's name is? Blue. So that you say, go blue, right? He's getting even the sparty wife to say, go blue, And and here's Blue and Scott in bed together. I mean, we had to sleep in their bed because this dog is so big. He's too big to sleep with in the queen size bed, and he's used to be in there. But do you see the bassinet in the backyard, Uh, in the background there? Yeah, yeah. Dog's too big. Oh, oh. What's going on, kids? Tell me all about it. Are you good? Do you got the power? Ah, there, oh, there you go. And so the bassinet is behind the dog. I think that dog is going to get moved. I have a feeling. There is, even though he's cute. Last week, they sent us this picture, and this is a picture of the ultrasound. Can you guys get over that? The way you can see the face of a child before they're born? These phase four uh, ultrasounds is what we called them back in my day when I was pregnant with Paul. I I think they're just regular now. But that is phenomenal, isn't it? Look at the cheeks on this kid. So they sent that to us, and we've been waiting, 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 right? We've been waiting. But while we were waiting, we went to my nephew's wedding and a 50th wedding anniversary. I went... Traveling with my friends, I taught uh, theology professors at North Park University, we went and visited some pastor friends of ours, I I worked at Crossroads a couple of days, and uh, at the Transforming Center, while I was waiting. You know, waiting, um, there's working that happens while you're waiting, right? We're we're really not always just sitting there going like this. There is this working that happens while we're waiting. And, And sometimes, even with an ultrasound picture, it's just not enough to know what's coming your way. You just, you really don't know what's coming your way. But you can envision the spectacular baby, right? Would you look at this baby? Unbelievable. I think that's going to be my screensaver picture for a while. And then the the you know the crying when you see this little face is only to be upped by watching your baby hold the baby. And and the nurse, this spectacular nurse was behind us and took the picture as we were gathered around Libby's bed praying for she and Ford. I I have to tell you that we don't always know how wonderful it's going to be until we're there. But while we're waiting, there's work to do. There's worship to do. There's rejoicing to do. There's seeing the the goodness of God before you ever actually behold it with your eyes, right? Seeing it with eyes of the Spirit. What are you waiting for right now? What are you waiting to behold? God's already got this picture in God's own heart, and God will reveal it to you. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of the scripture. Just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and came back to the city, and she said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city, and they were on their way to him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Can we read that part together? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do not say four months more and then comes the harvest. But I tell you, look around you and see how fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. This, friends, is God's word for us. And I pray that we all hear what God wants to say to each of us individually. Amen. You can be seated. So don't waste your summer, don't waste an opportunity. I think some of the lessons from Samaritans that we can learn, both from John chapter 4 and Acts chapter 8, is that we see, we silence storytellers with substance. And we sow and sweat. When we think about seeing, what Jesus is asking his disciples to see is that the harvest is already there, even though really all that was there in Samaria was one seed, and it was a woman. It was a woman who had a need that met Jesus. If you read John 4, you'll get the whole context. This is a beautiful story of Jesus saying he had to go to Samaria. They don't understand that. No Orthodox Jew wants to go to Samaria. Jesus went to Samaria. He waited there until a woman showed up that was coming to draw water. He prophesied to her and said, You have had four husbands, and the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. And then she knew he was the Messiah, and she was a seed for the city of Samaria. And she went and told what happened to her. She had this wonderful encounter with God, with Jesus, the Messiah. And, and so when we think about not wasting our moments, we have to see the harvest right now before we get it. It's kind of like, God, could you give me a little ultrasound of what I'm looking for in my life. There's something, I know I won't be able to make it out perfectly, but I want eyes to see what is about to come that I can't see with my eyes. This idea that we should see the harvest even before the harvest comes is a God idea. It's called faith, everybody. Can you say faith? Yeah, it is. And there are so many times God asks us to see something that you can't see with your natural eye. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, you can read that later, but I'll tell you, this is a spectacular time in the history of the church. Philip went to Samaria because the seed of the woman was planted there, and he preached the gospel, and all kinds of things happened. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. If you remember, Jesus said, somebody else sowed for you. Any blessing you're receiving today was somebody else sowed that seed for you. And sometimes in the sowing, we go through So much waiting time that we wonder if it's ever going to happen, even in our lifetime, that we will see come to pass what we have sown. But maybe it will be for your neighbor or your kids, right? Maybe it will be for an entire city. You don't know the goodness of the seed that you hold, but God does. It's really interesting that after Philip was praying for people, it said Peter and John returned from Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. There was a breaking of the ground and a sowing of the seed because this one woman had a need. And then God is so smart to talk to a bold woman, right, that was not afraid to go back to the city and preach. And i got to say that this is where the silent storytellers with substance comes in. Don't waste your moments on critics and storytellers. This woman had stories told about her in Samaria, I can tell you that. If she was married four times and was living with a guy on that day, oh, people love to talk about that, right? Some theologians say it wasn't about her being a promiscuous woman or a woman who couldn't, you know, get happy. It was actually that husbands died, or she was sold off or abandoned. But either way, she's got a story, and people in the city think they know it. You know, there are people who think they know your story and have told it. And they don't know your story. They think they know your story because they heard it from somebody else. They do not know your story. Can we all say to our own self, nobody knows my story but me and God completely? It's really true. And so people can think they're telling your story, and it becomes a lot more unhelpful. Because then people have to dig through the rubble when they meet you to try to know you. Because they've heard about you through storytelling. But God knew that this woman was bold and that she would walk right into Samaria and say, you have got to meet the man, like the man of men. Jesus is his name. You have got to meet my Jesus who knows my story and knows why my story happened and had compassion on me. Isn't that amazing? Like if you actually get the why behind someone's story, all of a sudden you have compassion. It doesn't matter if it's the most heinous criminal. One of the things my brother-in-law has taught me who did violent crimes for the state of Michigan for years, he said when you sit across from someone who is a violent criminal, you're always gonna find the story of their broken self as a little child, and you find compassion. And I, I think it would be a great exercise for us to always look at people and say, you know, where's the person behind the story? So that I can know the person and not just believe the story. So don't waste your moments on critics and storytellers. Jesus said to her, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. And when Jesus' disciples came, they were astonished and like, why are you speaking with her? I love that Jesus is always looking for people whose hearts are his, not whose stories are perfect. Right? God is looking for people who are seeking. Seekers are right up God's alley. You know, even if you have, you know, made a mess of things, and God knows the story behind the mess. I love Theodore Roosevelt. He said this, he said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doers of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Love his opening line. It is not the critic who counts. Could you quote him to yourself occasionally? It is not the critic who counts. Do you know that Theodore Roosevelt actually um, was, he was in the era of Lincoln's assassination. So as a boy, he grew up with that story of Lincoln's assass- assassination. Who would want to become president if they saw that as a little child, right? Except this man, and who they say had an amazing memory. So it wasn't like he forgot it actually saw that when bad things happen, you can rise and dare greatly. You can. You can. So, get in the arena. And if you don't have critics, you aren't doing anything worthy of criticism. Right? I mean, there is this reality that you have, as you are walking with God, and as you are coming to God as a seeker, you're going to keep discovering you're going to keep discovering, and you're going to keep sweating. So don't waste your, don't waste your time with critics, right? And don't waste your moments. Sew and sweat. Can you all tell somebody, sow and sweat? Tell your friend. You need to sew and sweat, both. Sew and sweat. One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor, Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. There are some things that have been given to you because somebody else sweat for you. Somebody else sweat for you. Somebody else sweat for you. Now you're sweating for somebody else. Your story, your sweat, your grief, your trouble is to help somebody else with their story as they come up. That you'll be one of those people that aren't afraid to tell your story to someone who needs your story that you're going to say, here's my sweat. I'm just going to share a little bit of my sweat with you because you're going to be okay. I had a spiritual director. Um, she was an old, uh, an old nun. And um, I remember one day I was telling her about some of the sweat I was in. And she said to me, she said, don't worry, Claire. You're not going to fall off the cliff. But you are going to teach people how to climb cliffs. And when you are willing to sweat and sow for other people, for the sake of other people, not just for you, because sometimes some sweat is so bad you'd like to just check out. Has anybody ever had that experience? Like, check out, move out, something. And so here's the reality, that we are doing something that will last for eternity. We're going to be given our lives, and it will matter. 1 Corinthians says it this way, I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their what? Labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Doing the work, remember the way Jesus said it? Fed him. My food is doing the will of God to complete his work. Your story is to complete the work of God. What has happened in your life is to complete the work of God. You know, when Don started receiving those transfusions of gamma globulin, oh, so many years ago, and he was, you know, he was, um, he... He he was a rare bird back in those days, in the very beginning. And he's even gone to speak at the blood banks to let people know, I'm alive because of your blood. I get your blood every month. Don't stop giving your blood. And how many years, Don, have you been getting the transfusions? 29 years. Makes you want to go give blood today, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you, you have this story, and Don uses his story... You know, he uses a story to say there's other people like me that you can help keep alive, so they can play and sing for God. I, I just think it's wonderful that when we realize that the road that is marked with suffering, when there's pain in the offering, there is something to be given to people that will bring them life and hope, right? So I love it. You know, Jesus talks about this, um, this food is to do the work. And those of you who work for God, you know, you, you work in God, with God, your ushers, your greeters, your teachers, your singers, your preachers, your projection people, you, you serve at the food pantry, you do wherever you are, you know what, you know what Jesus is talking about here. It's like no other food, is it? You leave fuller after you've served than when you got there. You do. You you actually say, Oh my gosh, this is the food. You guys, you you gotta taste this food. Sometimes people will say, Oh, you're really tired. I don't really think that you should, you know, go preach or go sit with that person in counseling. I think, no, no, that's my food. I I get to experience the goodness of God there, right? So, where do you get fed in your service to God? Do more of that because you know what happens to hungry people? Like, you ever see those football players when they're training? Here's our football coach, Olivet College, right? They eat a lot, don't they, Ryan? They eat a lot. And so here's the reality. If you're, if you're doing the work, you get even hungrier. Like, I want to do more of that. And when you are doing the work that gives you life, you're going to get more and more hungry for it. You're going to be like a beefy football player right? You're just going to need more and more of that God kind of protein. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a place for you to be a part of God's work, to work in God and with God. Don't miss it. You're here for this, right? This woman didn't just get her needs met, she immediately went and did the work of him who sent her. I mean, she became an evangelist to this town and it fed her. You know, I I love that people watch us online, but I want to say, don't just watch, come and sweat with us. Come sweat with us. Let's do it together. Let's put together Haiti school boxes together. Let's do this kind of work together. We want to sweat together. It's great. And we love you all, you online. We love you, but come and sweat. Come sweat with us. Come sing with us. Come, come, stink it up in here with us. Right? Come eat with us. Come teach with us. Experience this goodness of God. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, Now is the day of salvation. There is power in the present moment of seeing your moment, even if you're waiting, that you're working while you're waiting. You're working while you're waiting. You're not just waiting for it to come. You're working while you're waiting. Come on up, guys. This week, in our, um, in our children's wing, these guys were working. They were doing the work. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for doing this good work, right? I mean, I, I love that there is church happening when church is not happening, you know what I'm saying? And so they're, they're sweating in here. Trust me, these guys were sweating. And um, there is this, this great gift of saying, I, while I wait for this, I will do the work of him who sent me. Stand with us, will you please? So I, I think it's interesting that the Bible says to rejoice in the Lord always. Always right? Not like when everything is finished and you get to see your harvest, when everything is perfect, when everything is all worked out, but while your messy story or your unformed story or you don't know what it is kind of story is developing, rejoicing. And if if you want to learn to rejoice, hang out with some people who are doing the work because there is something about the work of God that, you know... What did Paul say when he was preaching? I think myself happy. You know, he actually, he was doing the work that God made him to do, and it caused joy to happen in his life, even if everything wasn't all figured out yet. So does anybody have something not figured out? If you do, I'd like you to raise your hand and be among the not figured out, and then however you pray, you can look up to God or bow your head in God's presence and say, God, it's not finished yet. I don't see it quite yet. I want to be able to work while I wait. I want to be able to do the work of the one who sent me. Before anybody understands my story, before anybody believes me, before anybody thinks I'm as awesome as you think I am. That say that to God, because God thinks you're awesome. God loves you. God made you. God knows your story, the whys, the what, the where, the when, the who. God created you with your story to do the work that will feed you. And so just in this moment, take a deep breath and realize that if you're breathing, God says, I still want you here on the earth. And take another deep breath and remember that Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive that breath. Receive the breath of God to enliven you, to strengthen you, to heal you, to bless you, to give you strength, to give you hope, to give you spirit eyes to see what others miss, to give you the ability to push through, to take someone else with you, to bring the gospel to someone with your story. And even right now, just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I would love to share my story with someone who needs to know Jesus. And watch for who God brings. And now, God, I bless my friends in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I bless them, God pray that every step they take this week and in the days ahead that they actually can see and that they can share their story the story of substance that you're creating and that they can sow and sweat I bless them God and that they would feel the presence of God in them awakened to the reality of being filled with the Spirit, a temple for God this week, and every person they encounter, God bless them with words or grace to give to someone else. And let this week be a week of rejoicing, seizing the power of this present moment, whether we're waiting or we're we're literally seeing the harvest. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Love you.